You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone. I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys right before Thanksgiving. We have a great episode prepared for you today. We have sort of some Delaware Thanksgiving, I guess, trivia we're going to talk about. And then we have Amy Watson Bish, who is that pie girl. Um, And she has an interesting background in both baking and the arts in Delaware. Yes, I am excited to be here. Although in a way it feels like I was just here recording the last podcast episode with you because November goes by so fast but I am so glad that there's like a secret week of November that we get to do Thanksgiving and then it's still November after that. I agree it seems so funny but we are packing a lot into three weeks just because Thanksgiving is on the 22nd so we're only three weeks into the month but then we have more than a week left you know once Thanksgiving is over. So you just had a busy weekend, um, not necessarily in Delaware, but related to the podcast, but you were at DC PodFest. Yeah, so it was a great event. Um, You know, I went with a few goals. Obviously, it's always good to connect with other people and and find more people who maybe are passionate about Delaware. Um, But because it was based in DC, I was really excited to get sort of some technical know-how and improve our quality for you guys, but also to improve sort of what we're delivering in the way of content and how we're promoting things and letting you guys know what's going on. Is there anything that you heard there that like surprised you that you were like, oh, like that, that was not advice I was expecting to get? That's a really broad question. You're looking a little scared. Well, you were telling me about, well, in terms of actionable goals, you mentioned that you want to get listeners a little bit more involved or like give them a bigger heads up when we're having guests coming on. Yeah. So one of the things that was a big focus was promoting your episodes. So obviously we sort of always record and lately we've, we've really had a good role of guests on every episode. Um, I know you guys love when you're graced with just my and Dara's presence, but it's great to have other people and get their perspectives and hear about what they're doing. And so um, I think we definitely have done a better job, especially on this episode with Amy, of just sort of promoting, promoting, and making sure you guys are excited and sort of have an idea of what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then, so who were some of the other podcasts that you met? The Podsters. The Podsters. So there was a woman there who runs the Twisted Philly podcast. So I actually definitely recommend anybody to check it out. She sort of talks about sort of the weird and twisted parts of Philly culture and history. So um, we went on a Grim Philly tour a few years ago where we were talking about, you know, serial killers and ghosts. And that's kind of her bread and butter is sort of that dark and... um, wacky stories about Philly, which is a lot of people don't know. So um, I recommend to anyone to do that. She actually does some live shows and has a couple coming up in December. So if you're into something like that, that'll be really fun. I think that it, it was with you. I remember this was when we were still in college. We went to visit a friend. It was actually Peter who we had on the podcast a few episodes ago when he was in Rhode Island. And that was my first ghost tour with you we did like a spooky Rhode Island tour we did a ghost tour through Providence and I've been on a few ghost tours and that was actually still one of the best yes 
We had a great tour guide. He sort of dressed up in like the vest and the jacket and the hat so that we would feel a little more period mm -hmm. um, in our adventure. And he was, I think he was doing a master's in acting. So oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah, at, at RISD. Okay. So I think he was just sort of this artistic and zany personality. And I honestly believe he had created a character for the tour, you know? So he was sort of doing a bit mm -hmm. for the whole tour. So I actually, I love going on ghost tours since that, but I haven't been on one lately. And I think it's still on our to-do list to go to a ghost tour either in Old Newcastle or maybe Fort Delaware or even Dover. I've seen that they do some of those creepy tours. Yeah, I think Lewis Historical Society oh, yeah. also does one. So it's definitely very popular in that month of October, which of course just passed. But even throughout the year, a lot of places when you're visiting will have these walking ghost tours. And I really recommend them because I actually think it's a great way to learn the history but not be sitting through mm -hmm. sort of a standard reenactment type event. So um, it's a great, like Williamsburg has a great one. You get to go through Dog Street at night and you get to hear a lot of sort of the regular historical stories, but then what's the twist and what's the tie-in to the ghost, ghostly um, walkers in the town. But enough about October and all the, the chilling activities you can do around Halloween because we are looking forward to Thanksgiving and then after that Christmas and the other holidays. So what are the next, um, is there anything else that you've been up to or is there anything that now you're just like focused on with Thanksgiving? Um, well, I've been on a few dates lately, so you are always surprised of my, my dating life. So yeah. in the last month or so, I've been to dinner at Stitch House, Bardea, Harvest, um, hopefully have a couple more, more dates coming up with maybe some new people. Got to test them all out. The restaurants too. <laughs> Um, but it's good, you know, we have so many great places for meeting up for a drink, coffee, a dinner, so um, I definitely recommend that, and maybe one day we'll do a, a dinner dating type episode at some point. So if you're dating in Delaware, let us know how that's going, we want to know about it. Yes, there have been a lot of um, new restaurants opening up this fall that I know that we've both checked, we've both been to Bardea, um, we've both been to Margot, we've both been to Margot, um, but I was just reading in the news journal an article about like suggesting favorite local treats to bring to your Thanksgiving table. I love that. So, so I'll share with you, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, so my family has a tradition that has started, I don't even know when it started, but it's always been the case on my, with my dad's family that my great grandmother would bring a chocolate turkey. So similar to an Easter bunny, it's just a turkey made of chocolate, but we would have a chocolate turkey at the table for everyone for dinner. That's and so, so yeah, it's a nice little tradition. I don't really know if it's like um, something from one of our nationalities backgrounds or anything like that, um, but it's a great tradition and we've sort of kept it up over the years, even when we're not with my dad's family. And even last year, you know, I, I spent it with my, at the boyfriend, my boyfriend at the Times family. And so I had taken my chocolate turkeys to share with everyone. It was sort of a nice tradition. And I always get those at the candy shop on 202 in the Fairfax Shopping Center. They do a lot of like specialty shaped mm -hmm. chocolates. So if you are somebody who's looking for a place to get your chocolate turkeys, that's a good place to go. Is that Cavato's? Actually, it's candy for all occasions. So it's right in that shopping center with Dress Barn, Panera, um, like between the Panera and the Acme, it's in that stretch. Well, if it's anything that would have you covered, I would expect that it's a place called candy for all occasions. Um, so I don't 
I don't know if there's anything necessarily local that I bring to Thanksgiving. I know um, my mom's family loves eggnog, and I did just see that um, Lewis Dairy has started up their eggnog production again. So that's something that I thought, I don't know, I think I have a suspicion you don't really like eggnog, but I thought it might be fun if we tried, we did a little taste test on air in December. We should do a taste test. Um, I am not really into eggnog. I, I like a sip here mm -hmm. and there. Um, but you know who's really into eggnog is my mother. She loves to put a little eggnog in um, like a like a steamed milk at night oh. to get a little flavor, mm -hmm. a little something. Um, my dad uses it in his coffee in the month of December as his sort of like sweetened mm -hmm. creamer. So, um, but you know what? I think I think my mom's coming on in December. So yeah, she, she's an expert on the she, holidays. She is an expert on the <laughs> holidays. Kim Kim knows how to do it up. So some of the other suggestions that I was reading about in the News Journal for Local Treats, um, there is, someone suggested a pecan praline coffee cake from Bing's Bakery in Newark. I think, um, I think Bing's is a classic. It's a staple here in Delaware. We've had a lot of cakes from there. When, I, when my family lived in Newark growing up, we would always get um, cookies there during the holidays and also the snowflake rolls. They were a favorite. Um, I guess they're not gluten-free. So. Now, now we're making our own snowflake rolls. <laughs> You know, it, it's tough to give that kind of stuff up, but I'm glad you found an alternative. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, there's always cheese. I love to bring specialty cheeses. I know that um, Jansen's has a great selection of cheese. Um, also, like, better cheddar spread at the back burner um, in Hocus, which I've never had, but I think is a fan favorite there. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize um, that the back burner has the back burner to go. So a lot of people have been to the sort of the more formal sit-down restaurant, but back burner to go is a cafe. You can walk in, you order at the counter. Um, they have things like soup, salad, sandwiches, very casual. But they also have a lot of items to go. So a lot of their sort of salads, um, spreads, jams, things like that. And then they also sell a lot of local items. So even in the winter, you actually can go there and buy Woodside ice cream. So they're one of mm. the one of the sellers of that. So if you're really into the pumpkin ice cream, I don't know if Woodside opens up in November so you can have it at Thanksgiving. I think you can order pies from Woodside. You can definitely order ice cream cakes and ice cream pies. Cake. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know like how limited everything mm -hmm. else is. So if, if you can't get what you need from Woodside, you can get ice cream, Woodside ice cream at the back burner to go. And then I did see something that intrigued me. I was not quite sure how it came together, but the Hotel DuPont is selling something called the Gobbler, an eight inch mashup of layers of pecan pie, pumpkin pie, apple spice cake iced with maple Swiss butter cream. I'm a little overwhelmed thinking about it, and while that's something that I would enjoy for dessert, I'm thinking the diabetics might not. Well, I'm sure that there's something for everyone at whatever Thanksgiving table you end up at. Um, and just to illustrate that, I also was looking up different like Delaware favorites at the Thanksgiving table, and the results surprised me. Okay, well before we get to the favorites, because mm -hmm. I definitely have a few, I had one more sort of Delaware Thanksgiving thing, and that's getting a Bobby at Capriati's. Oh, yeah. Right. So you How can we forget? Right. You can get a Bobby year-round. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. They're great in July. Christmas in July is a thing. You can get them any time of year, but I love them in November, and as much as I try to recreate it with my Thanksgiving leftovers, 
it is not the same. So I really like um, when we maybe have people visiting from out of town over Thanksgiving weekend. And so we end up having like the whole family there. So we get subs for the night. Mm -hmm. And so I love getting the Bobby from Capriati's on those nights. Um, Over the summer when we were reading Hope Never Dies and we met with Andrew Schaefer at Hocus and Bookshelf, I was kind of surprised to learn that like Capriati's is like, I, I think of it as such a local chain and it is, but it has like, more national recognition than I expected. Yeah, they have a location in D.C. They have a location in D.C. They're in Las Vegas. I don't know if they're anywhere else, but there are a number of them in Las Vegas. Um, And so it is definitely a family chain. It started in Delaware, but I think they started to expand strategically. And so that doesn't always mean sort of the next region over. Um, And those stores all seem to be doing really well. And I believe Joe Biden and Barack Obama had been spotted at one of their weekly lunches at um, Capriati's in D.C. at one point. So, you know, our Delaware favorites love it. Our national favorites love it. We love it. So got to hit up Capriati's for that Bobby. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you some of the Delaware favorites that I found on sites like... Oh, let's see if I can guess. Yeah, okay. So the food... I'm going to hide the sheet for you. Sounds good. So the Food Network, they did a breakdown of favorite recipes by state. What do you think was Delaware's? Um, I... Do you want me to... Do, I'll read the intro. Yeah, read the intro. Okay, this read is what Food Network wrote. From inland to the sandy beaches of Delaware, residents from this mid-Atlantic state pulled out their slow cookers to make this goes with everything, blank, blank, blank. Candied sweet potatoes. No. What is it? Macaroni and cheese. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of mac and cheese, but... At this, the um, crock pot swap, mm-hmm. somebody brought a crock pot mac and cheese, and it was very good, so I might be a convert. Okay, so this is one more from Taste of Home, and I like that I like this one because it was supplied by a local. This is I don't know her, but it's Gilda Lester from Millsboro, Delaware. Shout out to Gilda. I hope you're listening. Follow us on social media, at Della Darling Pod. So she supplied a recipe for Delaware, and it's um, her favorite Thanksgiving recipe is turkey and spinach stuffing casserole. The quote is, I know dried cranberries may seem like an odd ingredient to include in this dish, but they add just a hint of sweetness that makes this easy casserole so special. I agree. I actually was responsible for stuffing at my friend's giving this weekend. So I did the herb and garlic stuffing, and that was all great, but I did apples from Milburn. Um, I did cranberries and an apple chicken sausage in it, and it was so good, and I ate it for lunch today and nothing else, and it was great. I, I love eating stuffing as a meal. Stuffing is my favorite part of Thanksgiving. There's a lot of the other stuff we have throughout the year, but not stuffing. And then I have two more. So the, the one from Delish is just, they say it's a, a sweet potato casserole. It's Delaware's favorite food tradition. Okay, the brown sugar, the marshmallows in concentric circles. Mm-hmm. But then one that I found interesting was the New York Times. This is a few years ago, so some people might remember it. They did um, recipes from each state that were supposed to uniquely capture that area. Ooh. So this isn't necessarily like the most Googled one or the most famous. It's just a very Delaware recipe. It's a very Delaware recipe. And it was DuPont turkey with truffled zucchini stuffing. And there, it was it was fairly well researched. Is that a Hotel Dupont specialty or just a Dupont family? Dupont family. So the New York Times said turkey was served often at Winter, an ancestral home of the Dupont family in Delaware. 
The birds were raised on the estate in great enough numbers for the family to give them to employees at Thanksgiving and Christmas. That is so nice. Um, a lot of companies, I think, used to give turkeys to their employees, mine included, but now we just get a gift card, which is great because I don't need to buy a turkey, but I do need to buy groceries. So I think it's nice that the DuPont family was thinking of their employees the same way my company thinks of me. <laughs> Well, I, I must admit, I've never gotten a turkey from an employer, so I think that this is maybe a little uh, of a, an old tradition, but still lovely to hear about nonetheless. That's definitely true. But now I think that for the rest of the episode, we get to talk about some sweet things. Yeah, I'm super excited. We have sort of a resident, I would say Thanksgiving expert, because pies, we're at peak pie season. You know, I think you get two rounds. Fourth of July is berry pie season, and then you get to like apple pie season, and we're heading right on into pumpkin and pecan pie season. So I'm really looking forward to this for a number of reasons, but then this past weekend, I I was just in the mood for like pie, and then it turned into excellent research for this episode, but I made a um, savory mushroom and butternut squash tart, and it was very tasty, but oh my god, did I have a hard time with the crust. I actually, I, I like hit my hand on the pan and I started bleeding. It was painful. So I'm really hoping that we can get some really good tips. I need some tips on crust as well. I, I can openly admit I use the Pillsbury every single time without fail. I did do some um, quiches this summer with a gluten-free crust for my mom. But I bought the Bob's Red Mill and I had to, I had to mix it and I had to roll it out, and it just seems like it's such an effort. Crusts are hard. Crusts are hard. Um, and then I don't know if you necessarily know this, um, but my family, I have, um, my dad's family is partly Canadian, and so we've gotten into this tradition where there's a French Canadian tradition on Christmas Eve that you always eat a meat pie. So for the past like five I love or that. ten years You know now, how I love about meat-filled dough? It's really, I, I've developed my own, I have, a meat pie that I've perfected the recipe. Well, not necessarily perfected because I still know what kind of really, meat. Um, it's a mixture of um, pork and sometimes it's. I guess it's now. Now it's just pork. I think. Okay. Okay. I'd have to look at the recipe. I haven't looked at it since last okay. Christmas. Okay. Now I before we pull Amy in, mm -hmm. I have one other really great pie story and memory that I share with you, and that's the Great American Key Lime Pie Off of. Yes. 2011, 2012, I think somewhere in that time frame. Mm -hmm. um, so you and your mom had been requested by your father. Mm -hmm. He wanted to test several key lime pie recipes and compare them. Yes. And the only good way to compare four different key lime pies is to make three. All, was, it might have only been three. three. But was to make all of the key lime pies mm -hmm. and eat them on the same day. <laughs> and so you had us all over I think to I... eat key lime pie. I remember this fondly, of course. I can't quite remember the winner. I don't remember either, but we had three different <laughs> It was fillings. all tasty. We had three different fillings, but we only had two different crusts. And so mm. we had to discuss like which crust was the best and which filling was the best. And it, you know, I think I've gotten worse at making crusts over time. I just try really hard not to make crusts. Usually I can. Usually I can. And, and we've even gone away from quiches and now we're doing frittatas just to avoid the crust situation completely. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's get the experts in here. <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
Okay, so we are joined now by Amy Watson Bish, who um, you might know her from social media as That Pie Girl, or you might know her from the local or the, the Delaware Regional Arts Committee um, for her role at the Grand Opera House and the Playhouse in Ronnie Square. So, Amy, do you want to introduce yourself and sure. tell us a little bit about that? First, hi. Way? Thanks for having me. I'm the associate, one of the associate directors of marketing at the Grand Opera House. I oversee our Broadway series predominantly. And then I have uh, my coworker who oversees our music variety series. I think one of the first times that I um, saw your name and your face was last holiday season when you did the style files. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that an embarrassing memory? <laughs> no, it was a fun memory. My so my coworker Andy, um, we have a lot of fun together. Um, and I'm trying to even think what happened initially to bring that on, but I think it was a joke on Facebook, and we. We ended up putting up a GoFundMe for these ridiculous Christmas suits, and people actually gave us money to buy these ridiculous outfits, and that led into the style files with the news journal. I remember this now. Dara had asked me if I had seen the article, and I said, no, I don't remember her being in the style files, and now I remember it vividly. Yeah. We were actually allowed... Normally... Someone else writes the style file, but they were like, you know what? We think you guys got this. So we just wrote the most ridiculous style file. It was funny. I read it again today, and I really enjoyed <laughs> it. It, it. It holds. Um, and I think it also was really interesting because around that same time, you and Andy were doing a lot of marketing for the, the yeah. holiday season. Yeah. So it was really great just to see, the, to further put a face to the name. We are happy to embarrass ourselves for our work. That's how much we care about the arts in Delaware and the Grand Opera House. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in um, in the arts, it would, like arts administration? Sure. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's been since I was a kid. Both my parents were are retired school teachers, but my mom was a theater and English teacher. She directed all the school shows. And then um, when I was around 10, both my parents started working part-time for a, a theater somewhat like the Grand Opera House. Um, my mom was the programming director, my dad was the technical director, so I got experience backstage, on stage, front of house, and um, I went to University of Delaware to, and started in communications there, and then just didn't want to continue with that, and finished with theater production, and when I graduated, I just decided I wanted to stay in theater, but more on the administrative side, and I got interested in the marketing side of it after going and taking some classes at NYU one summer uh, in arts administration. So kind of stuck. I feel like there's nothing else I can do but but work in the arts. No, but I think it's something you feel passionately mm -hmm. about. And um, Dara and I are always big proponents of supporting local artists um, and local venues because I think it's very easy to constantly run up to Philly to see a yes, show or definitely. go to New York or go to the Kennedy Center. Um, and people forget that we have really great um, professional arts yeah. here in Delaware. I mean, we have an amazing Delaware Symphony Orchestra, Opera Delaware has an annual opera festival, um, obviously the Grand and the Playhouse, Delaware Theatre Company, and then there's a lot of smaller organizations like City Theatre Company, who I'm on the board of for them, and then uh, Christiana Cultural Arts Center, and all so, so many. And it is true. I mean, going to Philadelphia can be so expensive between gas. I just was there last night to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it was $30 for parking. And it's like, you can go to Wilmington and pay, like, $4. Or, or nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually it's nothing. 
Life hack, guys. You can come to Wilmington after 6 p.m. Parking is free. Um, and I used to have some secret parking lots, but it turns out they're not secret because the News Journal, I believe, um, published an article a couple months ago. We'll make sure to link it for you about all of the city-owned parking lots that are free after 6 p.m. Oh. And so there are a lot of, like, there are commuter lots mm -hmm. during the day. But as long as you're getting in after 6 p.m., which a lot of times I am, and, and the weekends, they're completely free as well. Right. So you can usually come to a show at the Grand. You can get a discount on your dinner at Chelsea mm -hmm. or any of the other restaurants. There's a lot of great restaurants. And free parking. So your whole yeah. night can be you know under $100 a person. And if you go to Philly, it's going to easily be double that. Exactly. And you got to sit in traffic. It took me an hour to get there last night because there was... I know sports ball games last night. And I think there was sports I don't know, ball. Somebody like Eagles or something. No, sports ball gets in the way a lot. <laughs> I will admit that one time, um, my parents have their anniversary right around Thanksgiving and the start of the holidays. So sometimes my sister and I, for a gift, we'll get them tickets to a local concert, a show. And one year we were like, oh, we're gonna do Philly, and we we still haven't lived down like it took them an hour and a half just to get there <laughs> i think it's probably the only concert of their life where they showed up late so we're still reminded like girls if you're gonna get us tickets <laughs> please don't like get it for, for like yeah. a thursday night yeah and we have so many great venues i um in the last few months i've been to a couple concerts at the queen we're actually getting some really great acts so mm -hmm. i saw fits in the tantrums and andy grammar who yeah. are both you know national touring acts um and then, of course, we also have um, people like Sutton Foster, who I think I think her show was postponed. It was postponed. Um, it's it'll be coming March sixteenth. Now she has. That's right, yeah. my birthday. Mm -hmm. So oh. that's good because I had my a family party that night. So I had to be there. So, so I had to miss it. So now I might actually be able to attend. Um, but we have some other great artists. I know my parents have gone to see Lyle Lovett, mm -hmm. um, and so they were thrilled. My dad constantly <laughs> is going to shows at the Grand and the Baby Grand because he has. This uncanny ability for sort of liking these sort of smaller artists that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and those artists are coming to Wilmington. Oh, yeah. And it's great. They're great. And they have, I think a lot of times they have really great well, bands. Last year and... we had Trey Anastasio of Fish. I mean, that concert sold out that day. It was crazy how many people came out for that. I mean, it was 1,200 people, intimate house. I mean, yeah. there's no place else you can really that experience yeah we have these great venues that are small and um i have to say i appreciate that you can go to a concert at the queen and you know you're like front row everybody's front row because <laughs> there's nowhere else to be um but it's also not overwhelmingly crowded and you don't you don't feel like to be 20 feet from the stage you have to be in this group mm -hmm. of people that are all swell smelly and sweating on you and um parents can take their their teeny boppers so Andy Grammer was pretty much me and my friend and all the middle school girls and they were loving it and I was loving it so it was great something that I'm always particularly interested in and like hoping to share with our listeners is that you feel like there's a gap between like seeing art in production and understanding how it gets there mm -hmm. and not just understanding how artists do it but how all the moving pieces come together so is there anything about um your role or your job that um, you think people misunderstand or that you'd like them to, like, like what does it mean to do what you do? Like, how, what are the steps that, that come together? So with the Broadway series, since we're working with, we're presenting a tour, so it's not that we're producing it mm -hmm. ourselves. Like, Delaware Theatre Company produces all their own work, and that takes, you know, months, and it takes three weeks of rehearsal, and then all this, you know, time to build sets and design and everything. So 
we get them in, but there's still months before that that we have to prepare for. So we're communicating constantly with the, each of the tours, and they are very specific about how they want their marketing to be done. You know, you can't can't do this. You have to do this kind of thing. Um, it's kind. Of, it's it's probably boring to a lot of people on the back end. It's not as sexy as like you know working backstage with the artists, like our lighting and sound designers. You know, when we had Sarah McLaughlin last month, um, you know they were like you know two feet from her, and I'm like I'm all the way in the back. <laughs> she sounds great. I don't even get to talk to her though. You know, like. <laughs> But um, it, it's interesting to see all the shows come in and how quickly they have them come together. They're, you know, they come on several trucks and they have to unload everything. So if a show starts on a Thursday, they're coming in on Wednesday and unloading everything. And they're starting like a, I don't know, I think it's like a 6 a.m. call to like get the set in and jam it in there a lot of time because they have to fit. They have to build a set in order to fit most of the theaters on their tour. And some pieces might not fit. There might be shows where they edit out the set, like just pieces of it. I think even for Spam a lot, the first night, and nobody would have known this because everybody would like enjoy the show and thought it was fantastic. But there were, I think, some pieces that were missing that night, but then they were there the next night. But it was nothing that anybody in the audience would have would have mm -hmm. noticed. Um, but they spend all day doing that and they have to do a lighting check and they have to do sound checks and the, the cast comes in and, you know, they, people probably think they all stay at the Hotel DuPont. They don't. The, the last cast was at like one hotel on 202 and a lot of them are non-equity, you know, they're, they're, you know, but they're all really nice for the most part. So. I'm always like, like. I want to run into actors like when like I mean not even just not even like big names like Seven Foster but I'm just I'm so intrigued by the life of the traveling actor and like where like what restaurants do they end up at when they're in Delaware where do they go they what go, do they, they go well they go to Chelsea but now you know so when I went to the Andy Grammer concert Meredith and I went to get burgers and beer at Farmer and the Cow for happy hour yeah. beforehand and the opening act was sitting next to us and I said to the bartender, do you know what time the doors open? And the guy next to me said, they open at 8 because, or they op they're already open. I go on at 8. <laughs> well, okay then. Um, so, John Splithoff, you're getting a shout out two episodes in a row. You're a really nice guy. <laughs> Come on back to Wilmington anytime. Um, but that, I think that's something that's fun that you don't get to experience in a lot of bigger cities um, that you can sort of, you can run into people here. Yeah, we had uh, the cast, or the artists from um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? And it's not the, we've had them a few times. And they usually, they show up at Chelsea or Ernest and Scott Taproom. And they're just, you know, they're just like normal. They just <laughs> sit there to have beer. And it does happen. I'm fascinated by it. Um, well, speaking of food, sort of. I'm we we have transitioned food. <laughs> but... I think um, sort of that's your day job, right? But you are very well known in the community as that pie girl. So could you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Um, so I, I was always somebody, you were talking about Pillsbury pie crust. Like that was my pie. Like my go-to is this apple pie, Pillsbury pie crust. Like no pie crust is totally scary. Yeah. Not doing yeah. it. I make, no. I make a great apple pie with the Pillsbury pie crust straight out of the Betty Crocker cookbook. That's probably the same one that I'm using. And, it, and you know what? It's a great apple pie. <laughs> but about like five years ago, I made a New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm going to 
bake more. And then that baking more just led into like, I'm going to focus on pies. I was like, I'm going to get over this fear of making pie dough. And it totally sucked the, like the first couple times I did it. And I was like, I'll just keep doing it. Is it the making the pie dough or is it the rolling out of the pie dough? It's, I think it's the, it's the making of that okay. intimidates people the most. Do, do you have the, the pastry? I did do that at first. Okay. And then uh, I moved on to a food processor. Okay. So that's, that's what I believe the secret <laughs> to be. Sure. Now that yeah. I started doing the gluten-free ones, um, it, I just stick it in the food processor. So I started taking, I guess, a year into making pie, I started taking a class from Magpie in Philadelphia on South Street, Holly Riccardi. I'm giving her a okay. shout out. It's a Philly shout out, but... Um, still local. <laughs> we still have it. Don't worry. Um, and I, I've taken a bunch of classes from her and it was like totally changed my game in pie making. She's like, yeah, I don't do it by hand. I use a food processor. It's so much quicker and faster. I was like, oh, okay. So like this food processor at home that I like literally never use because I don't cook. My husband mm -hmm. cooks. I don't cook. But I got a food processor, you know, just in case. On the wedding registry. <laughs> right. It's just a standard. If you need it, how will you live without one? Right. Right. So, and, and that's just been it. So you just, that's what I use. And it just got a lot easier the more and more I do it. Now it just is like second nature. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go make some dough. Which sounds totally like crazy to some people, but that's like... Friday night it sounds house. a little crazy yeah. to me, but now that I know that you, that pie girl, are using a food processor, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I feel better. Like, there are probably like other pie people in Delaware that are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe she's using a food processor." I mean, but, I feel fine about it. Again, I'm still <laughs> using the Pillsbury rollout crust. It's but it's the rolling out that kills me, and then I I'll roll it out and I'll get it a good thickness, but it will be a bizarre shape. I will tell you, like, mine never seems to be perfectly round. Like, if I'm at a class at Magpie, for some reason, it comes out round, and I don't know if it's just gotcha. the blob of dough that she's mm -hmm. given me to work with, but um, when I'm at home, you know, it's just a matter of working it. Um, of course, nobody can see this right now, but when you, t when you have your dough, if you take your rolling pin and kind of, like, make a cross with it, so you slam, not slam it, but you press it down, and then you turn it and do another cross oh. and you kind of just keep doing that cross motion until it's an even thickness around and then you roll. Oh, so and you then, press and then you roll. Yeah. So I'll press down, you know, kind of do a kneading motion with the, with the rolling pin and then turn it and knead it again. And then when you get to your full rollout to make it bigger, mm -hmm. you start from the middle and go out and then go in each corner. So I usually would start out, out, and then in, This in. could be a game changer. And then you turn right. it. You have to constantly turn mm -hmm. it, too. So we will try to find a YouTube video link for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, we'll have to see if anybody has this. I'm sure there's a technique video oh, out yeah, there. there um, so, so I have a question about the rolling out, too. So I have this really, really beautiful forest green, four-inch ceramic tile countertops. And I also have a butcher block. So I when I do roll out the pie crust, I do it on the butcher block. Because the tile, like, it's never... Mm -hmm. it, it, well, because it's Right, tile even. is not good. Right. And, and Dara knows my parents, until a couple of years ago, had four-inch um, Williamsburg blue tile, and it was textured. Oh. So it was even better. And they didn't have any other countertop options. So we were constantly, like, laying wax paper down on their sort of really nice dining tables and trying to roll it. <laughs> we're like, don't roll too hard. You're going to ruin the wood. But also, we can't be dealing with this four-inch tile problem. They have granite now. We can make pies again. 
Um, but what would you say to somebody who's in that scenario where they don't necessarily have a great so, pie crust surface? So I have a granite countertop, but and I know there's some people who just do it right on the countertop. I'm kind of a neat freak in that sense where I'm like, I don't know, there could be something on there that mm -hmm. I missed cleaning. So I actually have a, uh, a silicone sheet. It's, or, yeah, it's silicone. It, I think it's from Tavolo. Um, and it's it's pretty big and it has the pie ring on it. I never follow the lines that okay. are on it. But, um, but that's what I use. Is that similar to like the silicone like cookie sheet? Similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this one's a lot bigger and it has the guidelines on it for, for anybody who... For the I mean, noobs. Yeah. It's got like different size pies. But it's pretty big and sometimes because our dishwasher, because I live in a tiny house and tiny kitchen, the dishwasher's right underneath that countertop. So... It gets hot. If I if if one of us is forgotten and like turn on the dishwasher, I'm like, no, I'm making pie. <laughs> so you have um, to be strategic about your dishwashing and pie making. Yes. All right. So what I'll have to do then is usually put down like a giant cutting board and then put <laughs> there's like many layers going on here. Okay. Okay. I do. There was um, a video that when you 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 did nine pies. Yeah. Uh, yes. Nine. Yeah, there was nine. So, okay. <laughs> so, for those who haven't seen the Delaware Online articles, Amy actually entered every category of pie for the Delaware State Fair, which I went to the Delaware State Fair for the first time this year. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of food and a lot of livestock. There is. And I loved it. It was great. A lot of things are deep fried. <laughs> um, and again, you all know how I feel about uh, meat-filled dough that yes. has been deep fried, especially. So, Amy, can you name all of the categories there was apple blueberry lemon pecan uh cherry uh there was an um just a baked crust so okay just baked crust okay oh god i have three more there was uh like baker's choice and oh geez I always miss like the last two i remember i'm not sure if this was baker's choice but i you had some cute names and i remember one was like there was a peach polka dot. There was, yeah, polka dot peach, and then there was a savory, so okay. like a quiche. Oh, I do love a good quiche. So the quiche actually got jud the judges award, best in show, first prize. It was like, what? and what was in your quiche? What were the secret it, ingredients? Um, it wasn't even totally a secret. It was just a recipe I used again, Magpie. She's like never steered me wrong, so I was like. It's a great recipe. It, it was a tomato, cheddar, and corn tart, and it had, you know, like, it had some chili flakes in it, so it was a little, oh, had a little bit of bite to it. A little it. kick to it. Yeah, and some basil, so it's, yeah, okay. it's pretty good. That does mm -hmm. sound good. It's okay. good for the summer. Yeah. So I think we actually got a question from a listener that was about, was it about when to do savory or sweet, or was it about when to do a pre-baked crust? Um, with pre-baked, it's, it's typically going to be your custard pies and it depends on what kind of pre-baking. So like a pumpkin pie, you're going to do a partial pre-bake. Uh, you're not going to bake it all the way. I through. feel like it's only like 10 minutes. It's actually, so you when you pre-bake, what I do is do 20 minutes at 475. Okay. And then, uh, you take it out and you do a little egg wash in it to seal it in. And, uh. And then you just pop it back in the oven for, uh, like another, I think it's like five or seven minutes or something. Okay. Um, and then if you do a full bake, then it's like, and it's like 
10 minutes at the end there. So it's like a total of 30 minutes that gotcha. you're going to pre-bake. So full, full, fully baked crust, it's probably going to be more like your pudding pies, something that's that you're cooking on the stove and then you just transfer into, mm. into the shell. Um, something that's like a curd or like a pumpkin pie, you might do just actually with a, like a lemon pie, it would be a fully baked crust and you still stick it in the oven to cook up, you know, cook the eggs, obviously. Um, and like a pumpkin pie is going to be a partial baked pie. Some people will do a partial bake for like apple pie because they don't want to get a soggy, a soggy bottom. A soggy bottom. Nobody likes a soggy bottom. <laughs> I, I understand, but Betty Crocker doesn't say to do that, so I don't do it. Um, do you have a favorite pie to bake and a favorite pie to eat? Are they the same or are they different? Um, I would say favorite to make is the s'more pie. It's a graham cracker crust, but there's fire involved. So Ooh. you get the kitchen torch out. So it's, it's a chocolate pie with, and I make um, homemade marshmallow topping. Okay, and I then, love I love using so the torch. So I have a torch because I love creme brulee. My brother mm -hmm. realized that we go out to eat, Emily orders creme brulee. This is, mm -hmm. this is what happens. Why is this a thing that happens? Why are we paying $10 every time we go out to eat for creme brulee? This seems ridiculous. And I said, the broiler just doesn't do it. And so the next yeah. birthday, Christmas event, I have the tort. I mean, I have like, mm -hmm. it's not quite um, like emerald grade, yeah. but but it's definitely up there. I need to upgrade mine because I just have like, you know, the Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, oh yeah, no, you gotta... I need like... A blowtorch, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Because right now my finger gets a little tired. You just so, so my dad one day, um, and you know my dad, Dara, so you will definitely be able to envision this. He, um, we're at my parents' house, and my mom says, oh, you know, Rob, it would be so nice to have a fire. It's so cold out. It would be so cozy. They live in the woods. They have a lot of wood. Great. So he says, okay. So he built, puts all the wood together, and then he goes in the garage. And he's a Boy Scout troop leader. He is a Boy Scout. Yes. Yes, for those in the area, he was the scoutmaster of Troop 50 for a number of years, okay? So, like, theoretically, he knows safety rules. So he comes back in the house with a blowtorch, oh, like no. a, a two to three foot tall blowtorch, and he just torches the fireplace, <laughs> and it lights right up. Oh, jeez. Great. And I'm like, um... What just happened? <laughs> this is terrifying and unsafe, and I am very concerned. And he says, it's a weed burner, Emily. So it's for <laughs> killing weeds in your garden, which, again, yeah. normal no, people also don't have this. No, house. my dad has one, too. But does he light his fires with it? No, but I've seen him try to do other stuff <laughs> with it. <laughs> okay, so we should be concerned for all of the fathers in the Hokesson area, is what I'm hearing. So... It's not quite on that on that level. That might be a little no. overkill for for but it's fun. You know, it's like there's like controlled oh, yeah. fire. I've used it. I've used it for a s'mores ice cream cake before. Oh, that sounds really good. So is that That's also great. your favorite to eat? Or no, is it different? my favorite to eat is a strawberry balsamic pie. Mm. It's it's so good. Like did you every, come up with that recipe? No, I did not. That is a four and twenty blackbirds recipe, and four and twenty blackbirds is in Brooklyn. That was actually what kicked off my pie habit. Five years ago. Okay. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, well, speaking of creations, we also had another question, um, and this is something that I haven't heard of until now. Uh, me neither. We had a listener ask, and I had to look up 
what this item was. I'm glad you did. Yeah, so we have talked about Philly actually um, a lot this episode, which is great. We love we love our proximity to Philadelphia. Sure. I think it's Except great. Except when it takes you a really long time to get there. <laughs> Except when it takes a long time to get there. That can happen. But also, sometimes it only takes 18 minutes to get to the airport, so we are very close. Um, but this one came from someone, and they asked, what are your thoughts on the Reading Terminal Market, the Pumple Cake? Oh. So it is an apple pie and oh. a pumpkin pie that are baked inside of both a chocolate cake and a vanilla cake, and it is all sort of held together with a French butter cream. So I haven't had that. I didn't know that they had that there. I have seen this on the interwebs, Okay. and people often ask me this, and I, I am, I am anti-cake and pie together. They're like, different. I... I believe in segregation when it comes to my cake and pie. Like, okay. they, they don't belong. They're two different textures. And, like, Did you ever watch that show, Drop Dead Diva, on the Lifetime no. Network? Okay. I watched a few episodes. Okay, so there is a whole, I mean, season or two of this, this ongoing storyline where one of the characters discovers a cake, which is a pie slash cake and she opens a bakery and Kim Kardashian <laughs> guest stars and it's a it's a whole thing like I said Kim Kardashian's there so it's it's a whole thing but it's a it's a cake and she has a bakery and it, it's ridiculous so you do not believe in no cakes. because like I if I'm gonna have chocolate cake I, I'm gonna eat chocolate cake but I'm not gonna have chocolate cake with like apple pie or even like a vanilla cake like it's just too, I understand well too when much. it for me when it comes to cake I'm really I'm really there for the the icing right like, which I think like, most people are. cake is fine yeah. cake is fine I really like red velvet because then you get to have the cream cheese frosting <laughs> okay so like so the secret is out I don't love red velvet as much as I love the cream cheese frosting <laughs> but that's why I'm there for the cake. Like, you're, you're there right. for the frosting. I think that's why people love ice cream cakes, because then you don't right. have to have any cake part. It's great. Um, but pies are different. Like, I'm there for the crust, right? Like, right. I like to eat all the filling, and then I like the crusty bit on the edge. Yeah. Oh, that's so the good. best part. It's the best and, part. And I've said, like, once you, like, master your crust, it's, it's kind of, I equate it to, like, a sushi chef. Like, rice is to a mm. sushi chef as, um, as crust is to, like, a pie baker. Like... It's got to taste good. Because there's like people who are like, yeah, I like pumpkin pie, but I don't actually like the crust. And I'm like, well, then you had a really crappy pumpkin pie, probably. Like, I don't understand how you do that. Yeah. I was at Point to Point um, a couple years ago, and I made little cup pies, because they travel well. And I and, and everyone loves miniature desserts. Right. Mm -hmm. And I watched a stranger that was offered one of these cup pies, like, just eat the filling. <gasps> and, like, stood there in front of me and, like... Like, with a spoon? No, with her hands. Like, it was, you know... Was like, like, dog, kind of... like, dog style? <laughs> like, their face was well, just in the pie? It was kind of like a cookie-ish kind of pie. It was a okay. dirty pie, so it was easily to, like, break apart. Okay. But she would, like... Just eat out the filling and just like throw away the crust, like in front of me. And I was just like, Did thinking, she know? You was she saving oh, she calories? Was, yeah, she was like, I just don't like crust. And I was like, In my mind, I'm like, daggers. That's like. so offensive that she wouldn't even have tasted it before <laughs> oh she made goodness. that decision. Yeah. Award winning pie crust. <laughs> Award winning I know, pie crust. She didn't even know how. <laughs> What she was missing. Now, do you love your crust so much that you will just bake a crust and eat the crust? I've not done You've that. You've never done that. I've so, never done that, but maybe I should. It's a thing. I don't okay. know if it's a thing, like, in the whole world. Um, but my grandparents, who, um, shout out Grandma Ellie, because I know you're listening, because she listens to every episode. She's one of our most dedicated fans. <laughs> um, my grandfather does not like filling. 
He doesn't like it. He but just he likes the crust. crust. He, when it comes to cookies, he likes things like like shortbread. Like so he like he likes butter cookies. So I can see like if you made like like pie fries and you right. just like bake them off. What like is cookies. a pie fry? It's like just take rolling out your dough and you just slice it up like into strips. And then coat it in you could, like, uh, dippers. powdered sugar. Those could be like dippers. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love pie it. Dippers. So he, so anyway, my grandmother for years and years always made the pies and she made the pie crust from scratch and she is an excellent like cook, baker, everything. She was a home ec teacher for a number of years and so like she's really mastered this kind of stuff. And so he always wanted her to just bake the crust. I don't want any filling. I just want the crust. Don't do it. And she's like, no, if I am going to do the whole thing, and she didn't have a food processor, so if I'm going to do it by hand, I'm going to roll it out. I am I am putting something in the pie. And then Pillsbury came out with the pie crust. And so he saw it at the grocery store, and he brought it home, and he said, now you can make me a pie crust. Did he enjoy it? Oh, he loved it. Okay. And you know, but the thing is, like, he loves it. Like, he, like I said, he loves shortbread and, like, butter cookies. Right. So, like, Christmas time's great for him. He loves to, like, dip in his coffee. Mm-hmm. So, you're thinking sort of anything that's kind of, like, a little bit drier mm-hmm. um, and, and coffee dipping. But he likes type the flakiness. Dessert. He likes the butteriness. Yes. So, last Christmas, I was making a whole slew of pies for some people, and I got distracted, put too much salt in the dough and I was like oh my god and it was like nine individual rounds of dough and I was like oh my god that's so much butter that's like that's a lot of butter to throw out in these dough yeah. so I was like no there has to be something I can do with this I mean it was it wasn't inedible but it definitely wasn't it was salty like, it was salty so then like I rolled it out and I put some like black sesame seeds on it and I turned it into crackers and it was great and crackers. everyone loved it and it was great yeah so see he would probably like those too he would like those he some does he pie. does love he does love a good cracker and spread mm-hmm. how often are you baking pie <laughs> um lately it's been a whole lot um, <laughs> well it's pie season it's pie season um so I had the pies this summer and then friends were like, Oh, can you make me a pie? Can you make me a pie? So well now you're famous. Now, now you're famous. famous. This so. is the problem is, is you you've made a name for yourself and so now Well you, and then pies are requested. last month my mom, who lives in upstate New York, hi mom, uh she had a fundraiser for her library and she's like, Could you like make a pie? It was like this longest table dinner and there was like sixteen tables and she's like, I was thinking if you could have a pie for like every table and they could like make a donation and take a pie to their table. So it's like, wait, so you like want sixteen pies? Like no, it's not unheard of. I mean, but also you're not a bakery, right? And also and you live like, in Delaware. I live in Delaware, <laughs> and I was going up there, so I'd have to transport all these pies. And I have a full time job, so it, and, and a kid and, and a, a husband kid. and like a life. I mean, they can take care of themselves. They're fine, honestly. <laughs> But yeah, there was a lot last month, and then um, another friend of mine, Brendan Cook, who is the executive director of Opera Delaware, he uh, makes pizzas. He has an awesome pizza oven. You should follow him. I can't remember what his well, handle he, is. Is he that pizza guy? You would think so, but it's not. <laughs> All right, well, um, well, but well, you're gonna have to find him because he have him change it. He does. He Instagrams all his pizzas. So he was like, let's have a pizza and pie party. So then he made a whole bunch of pizzas, and I made like four different pies. I love it. Okay, so I love making everything an event. Dara can tell you. (laughs) So so one of the taglines of the podcast is that um, Dara loves to tell people's stories, and I love attending events. But I just think that everything in life can be an event. Life is an event. Like, Like your dad wanted to test three different key lime pies, and so we had a key lime pie off. We had an event. We had an event. Oh, 
His uh, handle is Turnin Joe, because Turnin is a opera. So okay, so Turnin, T-U-R-N-I-N, Doe, D-O-U-G-H, dot T. Yeah, so he he has like a bazillion different pieces. Uh, he's got a lot of pizzas on there. He's and got you know, a lot of pizzas. He has an, like, he did a party where he did, I think, like 50 pizzas for his mother-in-law for her birthday. Wow. And he made little menus. And then for Halloween, you know, like when people go out for Halloween, they like, parents walk around with like booze mm-hmm. in their hand because that's apparently what we do now. Um, there's but, nothing and wrong like, with this. No, not at all. And people like have little house parties to greet people when mm-hmm. they come, when their kids come with the candy. So he actually set up his pizza station pizza. on his front, on his front porch. And oh my gosh. I, for I, know. Know. I love pizza. <laughs> I just love pizza. <laughs> I, I, it was a, it was a carb heavy night. I mean, there was a lot of pizza and a lot of pie. I love I love his um, his bio: opera making pizza lover, pizza making opera lover. I like to take pictures of bike rides, pizza, opera, and of course my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all great things. They I'm are sure. great things. So we're gonna follow him. We'll definitely link his social for you guys, so you can you can follow his pizzas yeah. too. But then coming up on Thanksgiving, I make you know I've had a lot of requests from people for pie. So I, I'm, I, I'm yeah. So so what do you do for Thanksgiving? Who hosts? Who cooks? Um, we go to my uh, to my husband's family's house, mm-hmm. um, and then Christmas we go to my family's house okay. upstate. But yeah, we I do the pies. You like do that. the pies. That's okay, so how many pies is that for Thanksgiving? Ugh, last year I made too many. I mean, I think I made like four or five last year. Okay, I thought you were gonna say like six or eight. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, you never know how many people. Well, right? Sometimes that, yeah. my family can be like thirty or and forty really, people. And really, like the amount of people there, mm-hmm. they really only like gravitated to like two of the pies, okay. and the other ones were like, "Oh, that's cute." But you know. so, so what type? What so like last year you did? You said four or five pies. So yeah. what different pies did you do? So there was there was I think an apple cranberry. There was there was a pumpkin. There was a chocolate coffee pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a sweet potato cool. pie, but it was with purple sweet potatoes. Oh, so, now how so, do people feel about that? Because, you know, people well, sometimes get weird. Well, and that's why nobody really ate it. I would have eaten it, but yeah. people get weird. I it, think, though, that four pies is the perfect number because you want to experiment, but right. whenever you don't make an apple or a pumpkin or even a pecan, you feel sad. Right. Dara. Okay. We're throwing my mother, my mother under the bus. She's really, she's really something sometimes. <laughs> So Thanksgiving has traditionally been a holiday we spend with my dad's family. And even when they were younger, that was true. Um, They're not religious. So for religious holidays, it tends to be more my mom's side and then non-religious, like like Thanksgivings with my dad's. And so one of the first Thanksgivings they were married, my mother was to bring dessert. I think I've heard this story before. You have. You have because it's a great story. She tells it all the time, so I don't feel that bad. Um, So she was to bring dessert and it was my dad's aunt, aunt and uncle. They were hosting and all the cousins and everyone. And so... Um, very traditional in that after the meal is over, everyone disperses, the women wash the dishes, the women cut the pies, and then they go around offering the desserts, I should say the desserts, to everyone there. <laughs> My mother had been in charge of desserts. And so um, she brought a pumpkin cheese cake. Okay. And our family has this thing called a cheese pie, which is a cottage cheese-based pie. All right. It's interesting, and it's different. I will send you the recipe, <laughs> and you can try it. It's it's very different. Okay. Okay. Um, but this is a thing. Not to the Guillens, only to the Clarks. And so she had brought cheese pie and pumpkin cake. Cheesecake. Actually, I don't think it was cheesecake. I think it was just pumpkin cake. Okay. And so then everyone went around offering the pumpkin cake, 
and the cheese pie. And it was, oh, I'll have cheesecake or, oh, I'll have pumpkin pie. And there was a lot of confusion. And I don't know that anybody ended up with the dessert <laughs> they thought they would get or if they were satisfied. And so my mother, never again. <laughs> she's, she's not really ever been in charge of the dessert at Thanksgiving again. She can't be trusted. So, but, but the purple pie. The purple pie. It went over okay. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because it, it act. It, so it's purple, but it has citrus in it, so it also tastes mm. orangey. So you taste oranges, but but it's purple. But it's very purple. Instagrammable. Yeah, I'm trying to find it right now. There's it's going. That's like a so Dr. Far. Seuss pie. Um, it is a Dr. Seuss pie. Oh, jeez. There's a lot of pictures here. So. I know we've been we've been sharing. I really enjoyed. Um, I know you had followed so another was... another baker's sort of inspiration for your, your oh. blueberry. Oh, pie. Oh my blueberry pie. Which yeah. let me ask, what is your secret to a blueberry a good blueberry pie with the filling? So when you have the blueberries, I I typically I mean I I hoard fruit in the summer. Like my freezer is full. Mm -hmm. My husband will be like, "There's no food in the freezer," and I'm like, "There's food. It's just all fruit." But, you for know, making like, pies. Later. For making pies, you know, like you get this really great seasonal fruit, and you want to like hold on to it for like at least six months. Um, so when I have them, you kind of squish some of them in your hands, like not all of them, but that way okay. you kind of like pack it down, mm -hmm. you squish and because sometimes it can get really soupy, whereas mm -hmm. like if you squish it a little bit, then it like evens it out. I'm, okay. I'm doing hand motions that no Okay, no, no, we're getting it, <laughs> we're getting it. Don't worry. But then um, I also use for my berry pies, I use a combination of uh, it, clear gel, which is a modified cornstarch. Mm -hmm. So if you can't find clear gel, that's the secret. Then you can just use cornstarch. That's the secret. And um, uh, tapioca starch. Oh. So I use the two of them together and that that helps keep everything together. And you also, it's really hard, but you also have to let your pie sit like overnight. Like you, you can't just oh, like make so it and like eat it two hours later. It's just not no, gonna no, be No, I understand. Ready. So like if you give it a full night's rest, it's gonna be good for you the next day. Right. So I'm I'm not as expert at pie making, but I am. I would like to call myself a creme brulee expert. It is it is definitely in my wheelhouse. I have creme brulee dishes. Like I said, I have the torch. I don't really use any of those things for anything other than creme brulee. Um, I have yet to find a good pumpkin creme brulee recipe, but like there is one out there, mm. and I will find it. Um, but it's I would say the same thing. You actually have to make it the day before, mm -hmm. and obviously you torch it just before yeah. serving. But the custard has to sit. Yeah. It it has to sit. There's no way around it. So. so we're now looking at the photos of last year's pies, yeah. and they are beautiful. Thanks. The purple pie has such a lovely hue, and then it looks like, I think it's the pumpkin you did. Yeah, so like this some is lace. the pumpkin. This is actually a butterscotch oh. bourbon pie. Oh my and gosh. And I just uh, laid a doily on top, and you dust some sugar. And, you know. The secrets, the secrets <laughs> of the kitchen. And then you've got a, uh, the pecan. That's the pecan, and this, I think, this, yeah, this was the apple cranberry uh is that Walnut. a crumble? Yeah, it was a crumble on top. Okay. Crumble. I love a good crumble. They're beautiful. What's the secret to a good crumble? Um, the one that I use is I um, I take rolled oats and put them in the food processor. Mm -hmm. And I guess if, it, if there's, I'm trying to think how many, I would say like a half a cup of rolled oats and put it through the food processor and then add your flour and your sugar and your gotcha. seasonings. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, we have one last listener question. So um, Wilmington Brew Works, who we love, I, I love can them. walk there, and I know you yeah. can too. They're two blocks from my house. So they wrote in and asked, what is your favorite Wilmington Brew Works beer? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, geez. And as I was telling you earlier, I we're there at least once a week. Um, I would say, oh, which one is it? Uh, see, now I'm going to have to look up their menu. Um, their cider is, is really good. So, Dee, that's good for you. Um, a lot of people don't realize that yeah. breweries have things other than beer. Um, and one of the interesting things about Wilmington Brewers, and you can actually check out some of this information in the blog post I did mm -hmm. back in... August. August. Um, so they actually are also, they, they have a number of approvals for various types of alcohol production, but also food production. They have an FDA approval. So they're actually also producing Italian sodas. So if you want to take your mm -hmm. kids, you can take your kids. They have the Italian sodas and they wanted to make sure I let people know that you can take the souvenir cups home. So if you order an Italian soda, you can bring home a Wellington Brew Works cup. Um, and then they also are producing cider and they, they have some other things possibly in the works in the future. Yeah. So this, this past weekend they had a wood aged cider, which was, it was good. It was drier than I'm used to, but it was, it was delicious. It was made in a bourbon barrel. Um, but I would say, I'm just flipping through now. Uh, I think it's the, shoot, isn't, I think it's the, no, it's not that one. You're going to have to edit this. <laughs> Actually, they're duvets. I have been fixated on their duvets for the last few weeks. Each week they do, it's a sour, and I'm not a, typically a sour person, but they do a different fruit sour each week. So they had like a, a, ras, a raspberry one week, a blackberry, they had a black and blueberry, they had a raspberry blueberry. I, so that's the kind of stuff yeah. I love, but it kind of goes with your pie thing. Yeah. You know. And I even said to them, I was like, you guys should do like a cranberry duvet for like a little Thanksgiving and Christmas. So they were like, oh, I'll write that one down. So we'll yeah, see if they definitely. come up with that. Definitely. All right. Well, I think we're about out of time and ready to wrap up. So um, we'll just talk about a couple a couple things we have coming up. Um, I know on Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to be running a 5K in Wilmington that benefits um, the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. So for anybody who's interested in signing up, we're going to put a link to that. But that's a great way to sort of earn your pies later in the day. Um, and if you don't want to get up and run a race the day of Thanksgiving, you can also do, there's a, there's a turkey trot later in the weekend, I think on Friday or Saturday in Newark. So if you don't want to earn your pies, you can burn your pies. Um, and so we'll give you that link too. Burn the calories, not in the oven. Correct. No one likes burn. burn the calories, not, not the pies. I agree. Actually, I side agree. note on that. Do you like, cover your pie crust so it like I, when it's in the oven like a I little don't hat. typically like if it because I'll start on a high heat and then bring it down okay um it depends if I've like done some intricate design work mm -hmm. like sometimes I might need to do the outsides but not all the time it's usually okay, okay. case by case yeah, basis now um I might be making a pie for the Thanksgiving dinner that I'm going to although I found out last night that I'm not act, like where Thanksgiving dinner is going to be held is suddenly up in the air. Dara might be making dinner. <laughs> um, but, but I am going, I'm sadly going to be out of Delaware for the holiday. Um, but we were talking earlier that um, aside from Thanksgiving, there are also things like Small Business Saturday and Giving Tuesday mm -hmm. um, coming up with Thanksgiving that you can think about, you know, what like is there a boutique in Delaware that you want to go to to find like little like the little trinkets and like stocking stuffers gifts for others gifts for, gifts others. for yourself right. Wilmington Brewworks has 
growlers and t-shirts. There are growlers. There are t-shirts. Um, a lot of a lot of local restaurants will do um, sort of deals where you can buy a seventy-five dollar gift yeah. card and get a twenty-five dollar gift card. Um, so support local restaurants. Trudy is actually doing a shopping event this Friday, sort of a happy hour event. So for those who haven't checked out Trudy and Trolley Square, they're doing something. Um, and then of course on small business Saturday, you've got all the shops on main street. Middletown has a really booming, um, shopping area. The Wilmington JC's Christmas parade. The Wilmington JC Christmas parade, which is a huge supporter of small business Saturday. And it's great. You can come to Wilmington, watch the parade. One year, my dad drove the Corvette in the parade. So that was, that was an event. Um, we have Surf Dreams holidays at the Playhouse in Rodney Square. Yeah. You guys have a ton of events coming up. Like if you got your family out Mm -hmm. already, we got a 2 PM and an 8 PM. So keep in mind for all your all your pie needs, you can always hit up that pie girl on Instagram. Um, and she can answer all your pie questions. And then shop local, shop Delaware. All right. Thanks, um, Amy. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about, like if they wanted to contact you or um, you know places they should go to find out more information about any of the the things that we talked about tonight? Um, they can reach out to me on Instagram. Hopefully, I'll check messages more frequently now. <laughs> Amy, Amy was on vacation when I reached out to her, so it was a slow response. But I knew you were on vacation, and so I sort of knew what the timeline was for following up. But yeah, they can always reach out, ask me questions. I'm happy to answer anything. So Amy is at that pie girl on Instagram, and that's where you can reach her. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and the Della Darling on Facebook. <laughs>